We've been doing this series for the month of February called Fearsome, and we've talked about fear, and we've talked about awe and respect. Last week, we were greeted by one of my friends, pastor of C3KW, Mike Rutledge, which was amazing. And of course, if you missed any of the messages, you can just tune in on uh, YouTube and catch them. And we've been starting every message with a verse uh, from 2 Timothy, and I want to start with that again here. It's in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, and it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. And we've talked about fear. We have talked about the effects that fear has on us. We took this first and we talked in the very first Sunday about the reality that if I have lost power, love, or soundness of mind, then the spirit of fear may be operating or operating or overriding me in my life, which isn't what we want. We want to be people of power. We want to be people of love and we want to be a people of soundness of mind. I want to give you another verse, and they don't have it uh, on the screens, just because I like to throw them curveballs, mostly because I grabbed it during the worship, and it just really spoke to me. The very first um, scripture that Jesus is recorded saying, Jesus lived many years ago, and he lived in uh, the Jewish faith at that time. He was 30 years, so he was my age, when he came and started what we call his ministry, or his his time of teaching and, and leading other people. And he comes into the temple of the church of that day, or what we would consider a church. He comes into the temple, and he's handed a scroll, which is all the, the, early, you know, the early books of the Bible, or the Jewish Torah, we would call it. He's handed the scroll, and he, he stands up, and he reads this verse. And I want to read this verse to you, the very first verse that Jesus reads. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce and release pardon and forgiveness to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus came to bring you freedom. There's almost not another word or another thing that we need to say, but just to, procl- to proclaim that or to, to say that very loudly and very clearly over your life right now, and you may have to say it in your life as well, is Jesus came to provide you freedom. Anything that is bondage did not come from Jesus. Anything that is bondage that is residing from you right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare it breaks off of your body. It breaks off of your mind, it breaks off of your family, and it breaks off of your home and this region. Because Jesus did not come for us to be captive to anything else, but Jesus came to proclaim freedom. So many times the proposed and the, 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 the thing that people want to think about religion or this thing we call Christianity, they want to think that we've come to put rules, restrictions, that we've come to put bondage upon people. But let me tell you, anything that is of bondage is not of Jesus. Jesus came to proclaim freedom. Yeah. And the reason we are in this series on fearsome is to remind our spirits, to remind our souls, and to take authority over the things that have tried to create captivity in our lives. At the end of this service, we're going to join together as a church for a time of prayer led by our Revelstoke location lead, Nathan Weston. So don't forget to join with that. But I want to go into this this message. Those are just my um, preempts, if I can. I want to go into this message and I want you to sort of dig in deep and get prepared. And, and I want to talk, uh, my title for the message, you can write it down. It's called The Devil's in the Details. 
You've probably heard that phrase before, the devil's in the details. And I was interested, um, you know, I, I just took the title because it came to mind, not because it was spiritual of any sort. But it was interesting when I looked up the devil's in the details, the origin of it. And actually the original phrase is God's in the details, yet somehow the devil has taken the place of what God was in that phrase. It just sort of seems interesting. Isn't it interesting how many times the devil tries to put himself in a place that he does not deserve? The devil's in the details. There's a, a, a quote by a, a man named Billy Graham. Maybe you've heard of him. And uh, he, he said this. He said, there are many new sinners today, but there aren't any new sins. Just the old ones clothed in different rags. I think about the Bible, this book that we as Christians lean heavily on. And I think about its relevance in my life not because it was written many years ago and has gone through many translations, but its relevance in my life is because of that, that very quote that Billy Graham said. Because the very thing that we would call sin is not new in the world, it's just clothed in different ways. So the very things that people had to deal with and worry about in this day and age where Jesus spoke to is still something that we have to worry about or work on in this day and age. And here's the thing about sin. You know, sin's just a dirty word in church or a dirty word outside. And there's an interpretation or a meaning of sin that means missing the mark. And let me tell you, the reason we worry as a church or the reason we, we, we want you to move away from sin is because it means missing the mark. What, what does that simply mean? It means there's things that if we grab onto it, we miss out on the best thing for our life. I knew a friend, he had um, sent me a meme or he had talked to me the other day. I, I don't remember whether it was a meme or him. He, that's. They want the best for it, which is why he came. Because they want the best for it, which is why he came to proclaim freedom to the captives. I'm being handed a different mic. I probably wasn't talking loud enough. It's usually my problem. Yeah. Preach. Preach. We're going to look at a, a verse right away. So we've got the devils in the details. So there's a, a, a story in the Bible. It's found in Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. And we're going to quickly read this through. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit has come on Jesus, and he's led into the wilderness. The Spirit that led him into the wilderness was not the devil, but God. So sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness, and let me remind you that not all wilderness comes from the devil. Just because you're in the wilderness does not mean that it's demonic or that it's come from somewhere else. Sometimes God leads us into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I feel like this verse, this story would have fit really well at the very first Sunday in February after we did our 21 days of prayer and our seven days of fasting. Because isn't it interesting that at the end of that is when the testing comes? Anyways, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yes, thanks for stating the obvious. The tempter came to him and said, the tempter being the devil, said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city. So the devil failed. So he tries again. This is what happens. The devil fails and he tries again. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Devil responds with scripture, with, a, with the Bible. He says, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answers, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, devil fails, so he tries again. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Now there's another story, I'm, we're going to go to it now, it's in Genesis 3. This maybe is a bit more familiar to you if you've not been in church for very long or ever. This is the story in Adam, of Adam and Eve and the fall of man, what we would call it. <clears throat> so we find in Genesis 3 verse 1 to 13. <clears throat> it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God, oh, I've missed a verse, haven't I? Okay, we're good. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? This is the devil tempting woman. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, uh, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Devil fails, so he tries again. Remember, this is what the devil does. He fails and he tries again. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so then now the this is, this is where we're starting to see the, the woman aligning herself with what the devil's saying. So the woman saw the tree that was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and then they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig trees together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. We've talked about fearsome. We've talked about fear. We've talked about awe and respect. We've talked about the spirit of fear. We've talked about the fact that there is, a, there is an adversary who pursues us like a lion. That's what the Bible says. The adversary, or what we would refer to as the devil, the enemy, pursues us like a lion. And the devil is, I think there's something in our world that, that we don't like to think about certain things. And I don't know about you, but we don't like to think about the devil very much, which I would advise is probably a good idea not to meditate on the devil too much in your life. But there's times that we need to be aware that the devil is in existence. That there is a power that is working against us, not for the best in our life. Remember when we talked about sin, God is working for the best in our life. And sin is working for the worst in our life. 
Sin does not lead to good things in our life. Sin isn't the, the wrong that I've done, but the things that keep me from the best in my life. And the devil is, is a, a character that we read about in the Bible. We, we've heard of him in these two passages and we hear about the ways that he, he, he works, okay? Now, the devil's desire is to get you into a place of disconnection, division, and distance. And there are steps that he takes to do that. And I think that they are pretty near the same everywhere that we go. I find that the work of the devil, the work of the adversary, the work of the enemy in my life tends to show up in about the same ways. And I think that this, these two passages, one from the Old Testament, one at the very beginning, one from the New Testament, show us what's happened. So we're going to parallel them for a moment. But I want to read this verse uh, uh, to you as well. It's in John 8, to 45. It says, you are of your father, the devil, because there is not truth in him. There is no truth in the devil. Not an ounce of it. No truth in the devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. His resources are lies. For he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell the truth, this was Jesus speaking, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. He was talking to a group at that time. I just want to highlight and remind us that the devil is a liar. He doesn't speak truth. He doesn't have truth in him. There's a reason at the very beginning um, of, of this series, in the very first Sunday, I, we said a prayer together at the end. And I asked for you to pray it out loud because sometimes we, we, miss, um, we miss out that uh, we think that the devil is in the same range of power as God is. But it's not the case. The devil is not equal to God. Every vision that you've seen of little devil man on this shoulder and little angel man on this shoulder is wrong. <laughs> the devil is crushed and Jesus is glorified. The devil is powerless and Jesus is powerful. So the only power the devil has is in his lies. Because if he was to reveal truth, you wouldn't believe him. You wouldn't follow him. You wouldn't listen to anything he has to say because his lies are the only thing that may be appetizing. Now, we're going to go through this journey and, and we're not going to go back to the scripture and I've read you the two stories about Jesus um, in the wilderness and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Two very different places. The Garden of Eden and the wilderness. Is in fact, probably the most opposite you can imagine. And this is what happens in both of these stories. Jesus encounters the devil. He's hungry. He's thirsty. And the devil, the very first thing the devil says to him, he says, if you are the son of God. And if you look at the story of Adam and Eve, and you can look at this after, the very first thing the devil says to the woman is, has God indeed said? Because the very first tool that the devil will use in your life and in my life is a seed that we call doubt. Yes. The very first thing that he will do on his journey towards trying to get you into bondage, trying to get you away from your best life, trying to get you into sin, trying to get you into the things that miss the mark is doubt. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
but that's just such a little thing. No big deal. It's doubt. But let me tell you, doubt is the seed that flourishes into division, distance, and disconnection. Doubt. But it's such a little thing. You know how many little things I eat that seem to have so many calories? (laughs) But it's just such a little chocolate bar. We made waffles. I made these really good waffles. I, my wife said that my family's having waffles and I'm not with them. And I made these waffles a few weeks ago uh, and they were really good. And they were very small, much smaller than my regular waffles. But you know, they were 750 calories per waffle. Because the size doesn't indicate the effect it has in your world. That's a lie from the devil. Oh, just this little thing won't do that much in your world. What was it that Jesus would always tell the Pharisees or he'd always warn his disciples? He's like, stay away from the yeast of the Pharisees. He didn't say stay away from the bread, the big thing of the Pharisees. He said, stay away from the little thing that infects everything. The very first tool, the very first way the devil wants to trip you up and get you out of the purposes of God in your life is the seed called doubt. Now, in each of these, uh, we have four Ds. Uh, I thought about calling this quadruple D, but I thought that might have connotation that I didn't want to uh, connect to. But, um, but I felt like I had to say it anyways because that was part of it. Um, but we're, we're going to go through four Ds, and I'm going to give you a scripture under each of these Ds. Now, this scripture, because uh, I thought about it a little bit, like I use scripture a lot. We use the Bible. Now, I know if you're not in church, you may question what the Bible really has to do with anything, and I get that. And if you're in church, you'd question me if I didn't use the Bible, and I get that. So, you know, win here, lose there. I get it. But I'm going to give you these scriptures not to convince you unless that's what you need it to do. It can convince you about what I'm saying. But actually, I'm giving you these scriptures so they can be tools. Because the tools that Jesus used against the devil was his word. Because what we understand is uh, that truth comes from God. And in him, in that truth, that's what provides us freedom. He's already paid the price for our freedom. We already have freedom. But as I said last week, we only appropriate it or we only get a fullness of it when we understand the truth. The devil's only tool is as a liar. So he gives us lies to keep us away from truth. Okay, so I'm going to give you a a verse under each of these as a tool. So we're talking doubt. And this is Philippians 4 verse 8. This comes from Paul. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is the tool I provide for you today when doubt comes in. Doubt is not thinking about the things that are admirable. Doubt is not thinking about the things that are praiseworthy. Doubt is not thinking about a future that is bright. Doubt is the first seed the devil uses in his attempt to take us to disconnection, division, and distance. So we see Jesus is first asked, if you are the son of God, Eve is first asked, has God indeed said this? And of course, in both of these examples, we find the devil failing miserably. So he tries again. 
And, and I, I know it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right, it doesn't seem any of these things, but let me tell you, when you are, when you are getting into a place that you're willing and ready to take, take back the ground that may have been stolen from you, yes, it is a fight we have already won, but do not go thinking, which is why we don't think about the devil very often, but do not go thinking that it's not a fight you need to continue to appropriate, continue to have. I may get freedom in an area. Talk to anyone who's ever been caught in addiction and they will tell you that they've been caught in addiction and they've, they've been clean and they've been free, but they still have to fight to maintain their freedom. So just because you, you overcome doubt, just because you overcome this one thing in your life or whatever it is, don't, don't do, um, uh, I, there's another spot in the Bible, I can't think of the verse right now, but it says, those who, stand should, or, or, those who stand should be careful not to fall. Because what happens is when we, when we feel certain in the ground of that, we stop watching for these things that are trying to find their way in. In the simple seed of doubt. Do you know how small seeds are? I just planted some seeds. They're tiny. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm belaboring the point at the moment, but let me tell you, I'm trying to remind you right now that very tiny things in your life are the things that turn to destruction in the end. Right. Marriages fall apart by a tiny thing. Friendships fall apart by a tiny thing. People leave churches because of a tiny thing. That's not what it sounds like at the end, but when you go back, when you dig deep, you find out, Wow, it was the way they brushed their teeth. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it was the way they didn't brush their teeth. That probably was more what it is. All right, so we got, we've got doubt. Okay, so then the next thing happens. Jesus is, is temp he's in the, the wilderness. He's tempted again, right? And the wilderness, uh, you know, I, I made a mention that the wilderness isn't necessarily... Um, uh, always comes from the devil, right? We want to say that, okay, if I'm in the wilderness, like, you know, this last year can feel like a wilderness, right? So it's easy to blame the devil, but I'm not saying, I'm not blaming the devil. I'm just saying, you know, it's not always as clear as that. And, but one thing that is clear in the Bible is the wilderness is only just a season. It's not a lifetime. So Jesus is tempted and, and, uh, and the devil says, if you are this, he fails. Jesus responds, it is written, etc. Then the devil tries again. Then the devil took him to the holy city um, and, and had it, uh, it took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. But what does the devil add into his tools right now? He then gives scripture for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against them. And then we go to Eve as well and she's, She's been tempted and she responds and she says, oh, well, we can eat all the other fruit, but we shall just not eat this. Then the serpent said to her, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So first he uses doubt and then the second thing he uses is deceit. The second tool he steps into is he tells Eve what he believes or deceives her with what would really happen. And what does he do with Jesus? He tells Jesus scripture. Whoa. You know, our tool against the devil is scripture, but the devil will try and use scripture to deceive us. Context is sort of important in scripture. 
<laughs> if you've never believed theology or context was important, let me tell you, the devil will use your lack of theology and lack of context to trip you up. Seems unfair, but it's just the world we're living in. So he'll use deceit. Here's my scripture, my tool for you. It's in Romans 12 too. And these are all a little bit uh, uh, odd scriptures maybe you might think, but this is what I'm providing nonetheless. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not the once renewed. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but you need a renewed mind. From the very beginning to the very end, I heard this, um, this statement somewhere about a, an 87-year-old cello player who would practice every day. And someone asked him why he continued to practice every day. And he said, I think I'm getting better. Renewing of your mind. You've not hit the point of renewal. You're still renewing your mind. I need a renewed mind today. And I need a renewed mind tomorrow. So we find, let's, let's go to Eve again. So Eve is there and she's, she's heard this deceiving idea from the devil. Oh, I flipped the wrong page. She <laughs> heard this deceiving. So then when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She doesn't respond here. I don't know if you ever noticed that. She doesn't respond to what the, the devil has said, what the serpent has said. She just sees something now. And she looks at it and all her, her, her restrictions before have stripped away and she sees something good. It just says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Because what happens when we move from, do, from doubt to deceit is the next tool the devil uses is distraction. Oh, I don't even remember what this tree wasn't good. It's so pretty, this tree. So luscious, its leaves. So admirable. It must be good to eat. Wait, but wasn't there a whole other trees that were beautiful that you just told the serpent that were good to eat? Like that it was only, but oh, but how beautiful the tree is. Jesus, he's, he's, uh, um, He's tempted second time. He's tempted the third time after Jesus responds, do not put the Lord your God to test. The, again, the devil persistent, remember? So we must be persistent in the same way. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Distraction. I could say this about the doubt, that doubt is planted in the mind. That deceit is believed in the heart, but distraction takes over your sight. 
So he showed Jesus something, just like Eve saw something. Stop looking at the things that she was supposed to. Why do we often talk about praying every day or reading your Bible every day? Do I think that every day I get something out of the Bible? I think, what was it this, this morning I read? It was, it was the leaders of the tribes that were going somewhere and doing, do I think I get everything, something out of the Bible every morning? No. But do you know what I do get? I get a realignment every morning. I get a reconnection every morning. Man, those, those genealogies, they never end. <laughs> but you know what does continue? My discipline. Because if I stop in the genealogies, I'll stop in my discipline. That's also why we don't start in the genealogies. <laughs> Let me give you another verse here. This is in Matthew 6, 31, 34. A tool if you are in distraction. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Looking. Or what shall we drink? Looking. Or what shall we wear? Looking. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or those who were not Jewish faith. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Instead of us looking, he's looking. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these shall be added to you. You know, this is the, this is the trap of this word sin is, is we think that if we, if we don't take the leadership and pursue the things we want in our life, then we'll lose out on the things we want for our life. But God says that if you seek my kingdom first, you'll get all the things you want in your life and won't lose out on the best things in your life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I got enough troubles for today to not worry about tomorrow's troubles. I can fix my eyes upon Jesus because he knows and cares for me. The devil goes and he goes through doubt, planting a seed in the mind. He goes into deceit, making us, uh, uh, that is believed in the heart, distraction that takes over our sight into the final of the quadruple Ds. And he creates distance. So it says, you know, the uh, Adam, Eve, they eat the fruit. The Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. A place that they had walked freely and, and clearly with God. They suddenly are hiding themselves from his presence. And the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard, you heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam was exactly how he had always been. He had always been naked. <laughs> His clothes didn't poof when he ate the, 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 uh, the, the fruit. But the thing that changed was his understanding of his proximity to God. And of course, the consequences continue. He asks, God asks what happened and how this happened. And they're sent out of Eden. Distance is created. Doubt, deceit, distraction turns into distance from God. Now, again, we, we follow this story in Jesus and his tempting. And Jesus says, uh, you know, or the devil's taking him up to show him this high mountain. If you'll bow down to me. Then Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then do you know what happened? The devil left. 
And angels came and attended for him. Man, our tool against the devil is still distance, but the tool of the devil is to create distance from the thing that will help us. The devil is trying to get close, but God is trying to get close. And the Bible says we flee the devil. Isn't it funny how it doesn't say like we, we slowly meander away. It says Jesus, or sorry, it says God walked with Adam and Eve, but the devil is someone we flee from. Here's how most of us flee things. We do the Sodom and Gomorrah. The, I'm going to figure out the camera angle. Okay, we do the. We're like, oh, but that looks still. It's such a good tree for eating. We do the, the slow flee. What is a slow flee, guys? What is a slow flee from the devil? Flee the devil. Because as doubt is planted in the mind, as deceit is believed in the heart, as distraction takes over our sight, distance removes your relationships. Genesis 2 verse 18 tells us, uh, the Lord God said, and this is after he'd created Adam, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. In John 8, 31 to 32, it then says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, because what will the truth do? It will set you free. The truth will set you free. The devil will bring a lie, but the truth will set you free. Doubt, deceit, distraction, and distance. Distance can also be called disconnection or division. Fully grown doubt flourishes into disconnection. Now, maybe I haven't used the word fear a whole heck of a lot this morning, but I did use the word heck, so that's all right. But why do we talk about doubt, deceit, distraction, and distance, and the devil? Oh, that's five Ds. I mean, can't cut that one. You know, and we, how, why do we talk about that when we're talking about fear? Because fear is a seed of doubt. A little thing, a small thing, but it's doubt. I love what Mike Rutledge said last week about the reality that the the spirit of fear is anything that keeps us from going to the presence of God. And this morning, I want to remind you that the war is already won, but that there is a war. That something as simple as doubt could be the launching pad or the seed that takes us to a place of disconnection. That God does not desire for you to be disconnected even though we may not be close to each other right now. You know, the idea of disconnection seems very hard to talk about at this moment, but it is really easy at this time for you to be disconnected. But disconnection is not your only choice. It may not be what we want our connection to look like, but don't let it, don't let the fact that things don't look the way you want them to look like cause you to step into disconnection. Because what better tool of the devil than to make you disconnected? Disconnected from your family, disconnected from uh, the people of God, disconnected from your church, disconnected from the word of God, disconnected from prayer. Because all of those things create distance, doubt, deceit, distraction, and distance. 
These are the tools I see the devil using. The devil being a liar, trying to make us believe something that isn't true. But God has won the war because he came to proclaim freedom to the captives, just as we as a church are called to proclaim freedom to the captives. Jesus, I pray right now for every person who's tuned into this service right now, who's tuned in later, who is tuned in live. God, I pray right now that there'd be a proclamation or a, a demonstration, a declaration, a truth, a stamp, a, a monument made over their life that the truth of God has set them free. That the devil will have no authority, will have no doorway into the world because Jesus has set them free. God, that you would give us the courage to recognize doubt, distraction, deceit, and distance, not as things of this world that we need to carry, but things of another world that is attempting us to take us away from the perfect will of God. Help us to abide in you, in prayer, in worship, and in word. Help us to connect with you and those who you love. In Jesus' heavenly name we pray, amen.